everyone, and welcome to the Music and Technology Podcast. And I'll let my co-host introduce himself first. Hi, I'm Paul Shemmons from uh, Michigan, band teacher. I teach fifth through 12th grade bands here in small school district right in the middle of the Lower Peninsula. And my name is Chris Russell. I am a music educator in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. And um, my blogs are techandmusiced.com and ukestuff.info. And that's where you can find me. So it has been a while, Paul, since we've done a podcast, more than a year, in fact. Well, I was just going to say, this is our yearly podcast is what it's been for the last couple of years. Maybe we should do something more frequently. I don't know. Yeah. Well, the problem is that there just hasn't been a whole lot of innovation in technology, in, in music education in the past year and couple of years. And then on top of that, we've had a pandemic. Right. And that was one of the reasons we started doing this is we just wanted to share what we were doing and finding out that worked with music technology and or with technology in our music education classes and such. And like you said, it's been kind of steady as she goes, except for the COVID thing. Yeah, and a lot of the stuff that that we've done, we're still doing, and it's no longer new or exciting to us, but still a lot of people in the profession haven't even started to use. Right, right. So it's it's really hard then to like, you know, offer a seminar or a session at a, at a conference over something that you think is really old news where the majority of people aren't even using it yet. That's kind of a trick. And, I, and I'm kind of amazed, you know, like photo scanning for um, for music notation stuff. There's still a lot of people that not even aware that that exists. Um, you know, using your iPad for digital notation or, or, you know, just to put your sheet music on. Still people that are amazed when they see that and the capabilities that's available for that. So, And it does make me wonder, like with Robbie Burns, who automates everything, um, just sometimes how frustrated he must get when you know he's operating at such a higher level than anybody else and, in the you know in the industry you know than us you yeah. know so i just you you see those situations and you just go yeah how do you how do you move education along and i don't think it's happening in our colleges i don't think it's happening in our universities for the most part people just aren't teaching what's out there maybe they just don't know but then how do you how do you move people along? And that's kind of where we're stuck, I think, right now. And that's a lot of sharing, isn't it? And doing some of these music conferences and having people that are using these tools get out to the music conferences and do presentations. And, um, you know, I'd love to see some of our music educators doing some podcasts or some um, blogs. You know, there's a, still a small handful of us doing this stuff. In fact, it's getting smaller every year, it seems. You know, um, I hardly write anything on the Tech and Music Ed uh, blog, although I've got some ideas going for the future here, some ideas. Um, there's you, and you you hardly post, you know, in the midst of things. Not lately. Um, there's Robbie Burns, who's been pretty steadfast. There's, of course, Katie Wardrobe, who, I mean, that's basically her main job, is that whole midnight music world. So as not a full-time classroom teacher, that's that's got to be her focus. And then yep. there's Amy Burns, and Amy has been collaborating with, you know, with Midnight Music as as of late. So, um, you know, it's it's just 
there's only a few voices. I don't even think I've seen anything from Barb Friedman in a long time um, wow. in, in, or anything else. So, oh, and then of course there's the other podcast with the music first people too, where they're, they are finding some music educators and interviewing them on a regular basis about the things that they're doing and the things that they're learning. And there's a lot of them that they're finding too. And I think that's, I, are they finding all those people because they're using music first? I would guess that that would be the connection point, you know, I mean, or referrals from those people. Project. Yeah. Right. And, but it's not, it's not always just a, a promotion of music first products though either. But I think it's, I think they find people through that work and then they identify them and then they go to that next level. So, yeah. and now yeah, we'll be some talking more users on that too, man. There, there are, you know, but we'll be talking about some of those things, like some of the new things that, and I know you've been using a little bit of the music first, or has it been uh, NoteFlight? So we'll yeah, talk about that. Learn. Okay. So we'll you know, talk about may, that. May, maybe, Chris, that's one of the problems that we're having in this last year and a half with, you know, we're all teachers that are doing a lot of this stuff. And so we have a regular full-time job and I know it's been, a heavier workload that we get have gotten hit with through this quarantine stuff. And so do we even have time after we do our regular job to come out and do something extra, like do a podcast or write a blog post or whatever. Or energy. Yeah. Or, or energy. <laughs> or, or any desire to do anything at all. You know I mean? Other than, you know, just getting home and crashing. I mean, it's a yeah. challenge. So we'll, we might as well ask that question. So I'm going to put this question up here. What has 2020 to 2021 looked like so far for you as a teacher? I get to go first. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I'm in the middle of Michigan and we're far enough north where I'm out of the big cities nonsense where you get those big clusters of people. And so we've been fairly steady here. We've been face to face since we started school. For the majority of our school year, uh, we've had about four weeks where we've lost all the whole entire high school, um, eighth grade through 12th grade. We've had a couple of grades that have been quarantined for a, a week or two at a time. But the majority of the time, we've been face-to-face. -face. But not all the students have chosen to do that. Some of them have been virtual. And so, you know, and, it, and it's dwindled down. We, we're in trimester. So our first trimester, we had a good handful Second trimester, we had a little bit less. And now that we're into third trimester, I know myself, I only have a couple of virtual students right now. But man, that virtual element has quadrupled the amount of time that I've had to spend and that I'm expected to spend with connecting with students. It's taken that time frame of, hey, we show up at 7.45 and the kids leave at, at 3.15 or 3 o'clock. And it's expanded that contact with students into like anytime you want you know students are awake late at night and i i get emails late at night so i've had to kind of put some of those limitations on when do i expect myself to actually respond to that stuff so you're seeing students in person and you're responsible for some virtual students as well correct have they done anything with your contract schedule or your day schedule to allow for that not a whole awful lot. We've Our district has given us Friday afternoons. Uh, the students go home early at 1 o'clock, and so we get a couple hours. And so, yeah, there's been very little done, and it's no extra pay either, but we're still expected to deal with those extra students, prepare the lessons. Those lessons got to go online. 
you know, it's all, it's, it's, well, you know, I mean, what are you doing for yours? Oh, that's a longer story. One other quick question before I get into that, which would be, um, are you guys a union state still? Do you have teachers unions? Oh boy, the union you got don't I'll, okay. I'll 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 give you the short version of my union story here. Um, we are still we still have unions in the education system, but Michigan is a right to work state. So as teachers, we don't have to be a member of that union. Okay. So you know the unions are still supposedly fighting for us and still trying to help the scenario. So okay. All right, I just kind now, of I know down, oh, go ahead. I, I just say this too. Down south further, you know, where there's the bigger cities, I know there's been schools that haven't seen their kids face to face at all. My niece's school in in our uh east of it here, they just got back to school face to face and now they're back on virtual again. So it's I like where I'm at. Yeah, I I just kind of curious because like you know, like uh, for example, Wisconsin where I live, not where I teach in Illinois, um the, the powers of the unions have been greatly, greatly reduced in terms of what they can do. Um, although you do hear places like Chicago where they, you know, the teachers union still puts its foot down and things like that. But um, in my own situation, last year I had a seismic shift in my life, as, as you all know, moving to elementary, which was not planned, um, not desired, but it's ended up being a really good thing and a healing thing for me. Um, teaching middle school and particularly in the middle school program, the way that we had things set led to a lot of frustration and actually depression in my life, which is something I'm going to blog about at some point. Um, and I think there are a lot of teachers incidentally that are suffering from that as well. And I think it will help some people. I was, I was depressed and angry for six years of teaching in that particular environment. So wow. um, this elementary, and well, I mean, we, we talked about it, how frustrating that yeah. was for me over the years. So teaching elementary actually has been wonderful. Um, is it what I feel like I'm called to do for the rest of my life? I don't think so. Um, if I end up doing it for the rest of my life, is that okay? Probably, but it's, it's continually reevaluating what it means to be an educator, um, what it means to be fulfilled as a, as a, as a human being and as a, a man who identifies with his career, you know, and then other interesting avenues have opened up, such as all the stuff I'm doing with ukulele, which I would have never gotten into had the middle school position not been so bad because I had a middle part of the year that I had to fill with something, which ended up for me becoming ukulele, never having touched before. And now suddenly that's it, that I spend way more time doing ukulele stuff than I even do music technology stuff. Now, ultimately it's all related, but that's just kind of where it's at. So that that has really turned my life around and I've been much happier, much um, healthier at home and in my job. I look forward to going back to work again, which is something that wasn't true for some time. I ended up being bumped out of a position and placed into an elementary school and it's ended up being the best thing that could have happened to me. Sometimes it hurts as you're going through it, but then it's better. So all that said, um, got through two thirds of last year and then we shut down, you know, basically. Yeah. And then it was online teaching and it was really weird. I don't know if you remember when we talked about this, maybe with Robbie, but um, we reached a point where they said, oh, parents are struggling to have their kids do their work. So people that are specialists like myself, prepare lessons, but don't expect them to do them. 
and just do with what you can with what you get. And that was the end of our year last year, from March to the end of the year. So yep. I tried to create quality lessons, um, had really interesting feedback from parents that turned out that they were watching the lessons with their kids and learning with their kids, um, and ended up with a whole bunch of parent advocates as a result of that, which was really cool. So that's awesome. Keep, yeah, that you never knew. And, you know, we did a parade at the end of last year because, you know, social distance parade where the kids drove through to say goodbye and things. And I was standing next to my friends that are FIAD teachers and parents would be yelling out, we love your lessons, you know, as they drove by. And the gym teachers would keep looking at me going, what in the world were you doing? <laughs> and just it was good. It was just good. And ironically, all the stuff I'd been doing with ukulele, with the YouTube channel and everything else, just all led into a really smooth transition to that. So that's been good. Well, this year we came back and we started in a hybrid format. So we saw half the kids on an A day, half the kids on a B day, alternated two days a week, and then had Friday as sort of um, distance time, catch-up time, prep time, all that sort of deal. And then on top of that, we also gave students the opportunity to do virtual learning. But at the elementary level, we actually assigned teachers to that. So students that would have normally been at my building, which is a Spanish immersion building, they had Spanish immersion teachers for their core work or their classroom or their homeroom work. And then for like specialists, they had a district person. So it's it's going to be really interesting to see when we all come back next year if that's going to what what it's been like for them to work with another teacher, you know, and then come back again. So to have me right. leave and come back. So we'll see. Then around Thanksgiving, we shut down completely for distance because of COVID numbers. Yeah. And that continued until January. And then we came back with K through two for two weeks, every day, all kids. And then two weeks after that, three through five came. So then we had everybody back in the building, but sort of trying to keep distance and everybody wearing masks. And now we are on spring break right now as we're recording this. This is uh, the second week of, of March. But next week when we come back, uh, six through 12 comes back in full. Although their full looks a little different, they they basically go to school until about one o'clock and then they're dismissed and then teachers deal with their distance because they don't have a separate teachers doing distance. So then they have from like two to three or one to three to do either their prep, distance, whatever, and their other classes are like 45 minutes or 60 minutes long or something like that. So they see kids for, I don't know how many weeks, five weeks for the first, because they have a six period day, they see the first three classes for 60 minutes a, a period for, for three weeks, and then they switch and then they see the other three periods for the next three weeks. So had I been teaching middle school music or high school music, I don't know what I would have been doing. And I think they still can't play. I think they still can't sing just like I can't. And I've been doing all sorts of crazy stuff with my kids. So I bought a bunch of just um, wood dowels that they had yeah. on Amazon. I had I was given some money to buy some things. So we've been doing percussion and learning left, right, left, right, left, you know, and, and doing stuff, yeah. play alongs, um, just focus on rhythm, focus on reading notes, even you know, K through K through five. And 
it's going. Now, the only bad part is right now is that we're seeing a rotation, just like before, we see a rotation of kids for two weeks, and then we switch to another class. So I see right now I'm seeing my fourth graders, and after next week, then I move to kindergarten. And it's the last time I've seen fourth grade because we have two weeks, and then we see them again in another 12-week rotation. So right. I, I'm going to say goodbye to my fourth grade for this year on Friday of next week, and then I get kindergarten for two weeks, and then I'll say goodbye to them after two weeks. And then I'll get first grade for two weeks, and I'll say goodbye to them, and then second grade, and then fifth grade, and then third grade, and then the year's done. So it's it's been very strange. And they are sick of you after two straight weeks of 60 minutes a day because they're used to going like music for 30 minutes and then gym for 30 minutes. They're kind of used sure. to that. A lot of variety. There is no variety. So it's like, here's your hour of music or here's your hour of FIAD. And even though they like us by the end of two weeks, they're kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the next rotation, you know? So that, that is what we've been doing. So in the midst of everything else. So we've done hybrid, we've done distance, and now we are doing face-to-face -face with trying to follow these mitigation principles. Yeah. And that amount of time, I mean, first of all, a kindergartner in any class for an hour is crazy. First, second grade has got to be just trying to keep, I mean, how many things, you must have like six different activities planned throughout each uh, of those classes. Usually around 15 to 18 different tasks in an, in an hour. Yeah. which includes two movement breaks. So, sure. yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I can't just That's do crazy. ensemble music like a middle school or choir or high school choir, you know? Yeah. I, see, we lost our choir program this year because of budget concerns. She was the lowest really? on the totem pole. And so she left, and they, or they laid her off. But, you know, again, you're back to they can't be singing anyways right now. So I'm just hoping they get another person hired in the next couple of years again that we don't totally lose that because there's no elementary music right now no high school choir so i'm it fifth grade band to 12th grade band that's the only music we're getting in our district they the school board just decided to cut elementary band and orchestra completely for the future so wow. um we cut it this year because of covid so all those teachers were reassigned at different schools to teach elementary music but they just made the decision. They have to cut 18 million out of the district from for the next three years. Yeah. So, nice. so I'm very sorry to hear that you lost your choir program and elementary general music. That's that's shocking. Well, and again, budget concerns. You got to cut someplace, and she was the low person on the totem pole. So, what do you do? But now the push from me is to rehire at some point in time. And hopefully this COVID stuff goes away and we can start singing and going shoving your all your stuff into two weeks. <laughs> That's not ideal for anybody. And we all know that. Our no, administrators you, know that. If you think about it, you you normally see the kids 30 minutes twice a week. So you see them one hour a week. Now yeah. you see them an hour for 10 straight days. So you just did 10 straight weeks of content, maybe more realistically 12 because you also lose transition time. Because normally you lose a couple minutes at the beginning of your half hour, a couple minutes at the end of your half hour to get you know kids lined up in your room, get going, get them out the door, all that stuff. So you probably cover 12 weeks of content in two weeks, which yeah. is just crazy to think about. So yeah, now the only thing I'd ask you, Paul, is in our setting, 
our teachers have a mandatory prep time for an hour that they get, you know, our elementary teachers. So therefore they have to have a break and that's what we as specialists fill. So whether it's music, art, FIAD, or media, the kids are gone for an hour a day from their teacher so that their teacher gets their, their legally obligated break. How does your district do that if they cut elementary music ed? Hey, I think that's, I think that's like an international thing. Specialists, special teachers are the other teachers break. So, you know, but we have STEM and physical education. And I was thinking there's one more thing, but I don't remember for sure. So there's still a couple of specials, but it doesn't include music. So I just don't know how they do it with their schedule. I don't, that's what I just don't know. I know it's a smaller well, district, but still. Yeah. Yeah. We've got like three <laughs> classes per grade level right now, you know, so about 90 kids per grade. So it's a small school. The second question I want to ask is what new things are we using in the classroom? And I'll let you go first, Paul. <laughs> Did we talk about this beforehand? Oh yeah, I am using new. My, my mind just went blank. It's like, I'm not doing anything new this year. Um, no, I am. I am doing something new. Um, I was using note flight learn with my high schoolers last year and maybe even the year before. And so I've continued to, to do that this year. This year, finally, because of COVID issues, I mean, it didn't happen until like the end of October, but every student now in our in our district is one-to-one -one with a Chromebook, and which I didn't think was ever going to happen. And it may not have happened if it wasn't for COVID. But now that we're all one-to-one -one with the Chromebook, I we found money to get every fifth through twelfth grade band student um, a, a subscription to Note Flight Learn. So we're all doing online music notation, com composition stuff, and then um, with my eighth grade through twelfth graders, we're also using Soundcheck this year. And I, have you looked into that? You probably haven't looked at that at all. Soundcheck is really nice because you take this file, music notation file, and the kids turn it into a sound check, and they can then record themselves right in their browser. And it's a lot like, um, uh, what's that other red and green thing? Uh, smart music. Smart, was it smart music? Yeah, it's smart music. And I think Music First does it too. But it does it a little bit different because they can't steal their patents, right? Whatever they have patented. But um, it works really well because it's super simple for the kids to figure out. The kids, after they're done recording, they can listen to themselves, um, play back what they recorded. And then there's a little line that goes up and down, and it gives them some red and green information, really flat, really early, or on pitch, really steady tempo, or you were late or you missed a note that sort of stuff. So even without me sitting there right there holding their hands, the kids can already start to evaluate, self-assess what they've done in their performance. And then it's always interesting to hear how many times kids end up re redoing these things. Some kids just do them once and they're done and that's it. Other kids do them like 40 times. And I had one girl say, I had to put my French horn away because my lips were dead. <laughs> I'd done it for two hours and finally I just had to say enough is enough. And so it's, it's been good for both sides of those uh, of that spectrum of if you're that perfectionist, sometimes you just got to let go. Just 
turn it in and let your let me hear it as your teacher so I can give you some ideas and maybe even reassure you that you're doing great. And, you know, there's always something I can pick up on as a teacher to help those kids. But it's so easy to access and, and to manage that note flight learn stuff. Um, you know, the other day we had a new kid that came back. He was virtual and he came back. So I had to add him to the classroom for note flight learn. And within a matter of like 30 seconds, I don't even think it was that, I was able to get him enrolled, get him permissions to access note flight and sound check. And the other thing that we're doing, uh, we just started doing this with the high schoolers is the content libraries in note flight. And those are really nice. We've got access to all of them this year. And my, I told my kids to go into the pop library and find a song they want to learn. You know, in the past, it's always been this search high and low, go look on Google, try to find someplace legit where we could download and find music for, you know, whatever song they might want to learn. Now there's this whole library of legally accessible music for my kids to access. So, you know, a kid wants to do Don't Stop Believing," And it's already in there. All the notes are there. And what the kids can do is they can check out an editable version of that solo which usually comes across as a piano and a vocal and so now a kid that is on trumpet he can take that vocal line copy it and paste it into a trumpet part find out okay is this too high too low oh my goodness why is this in five sharps i don't want to do it in five sharps you know so he can edit it and, and transpose it and change the range of whatever he needs to do so now he's got the solo music for him to play and he's got an accompaniment for them to play with two problems solved like super fast and really easy. And um, it's going to be really interesting. Like I said, we just started doing that project with, with the high schoolers. So it'll be interesting to see a couple weeks down the road how they're actually doing with it and how they're doing with being able to play with that um, note flight accompaniment. How much does that cost for the, the kids to use? Oh, man, I, I knew you were going to ask that. Let's see. Um <laughs> Uh, it's like, you know, it's, it's like $2 per kid. Uh, you know, don't quote me exact prices, but close. It's like $2 a kid to do note flight. I mean, and you, you and I have been doing notation stuff for years. I mean, it used to cost us $500 for one seat, for one computer to have access to Finale. And now it's like $2 and it's online. And it's it it's got a majority of those capabilities that we've relied on for how many years. And then the sound check stuff, I think, might be like $3. And then the content stuff is like another $3. I think it's like $8 total I'm paying for my high school kids to have note flight, to do the sound check, and to do the content libraries. Yeah, which and, is uh, really affordable. At the same time, if, you, if your budget is zero. And this is how we pay for it this year, right? We found money because, I mean, legitimately, part of the concerns in my mind was, I've got to have something for these kids to work on music-wise at home with the Chromebooks, to, and I've got to be able to support them on that. So this falls easily into that category, and so we were able to find some money through COVID money to help pay for that this year. But it's such an invaluable tool, I will find money from someplace to keep on paying for it. So Now, there's another one I've been using, too, which is free. Have you used BandLab? I've looked at it, but don't really have a grade level that I feel comfortable rolling it out to. 
Well, and that's a valid point because I was just talking with one of my sixth graders today and um, I tried to get them to do it and to sign up for it. It was just a little bit confusing for those guys, but my eighth grade and up, we're using BandLab, which is a, a digital audio workstation and it allows them to layer up. They can record like a quartet, right? Yep. But it, it's really baffling to me and it's maybe more baffling to them because my, my ninth through 12th graders even have issues following a metronome way more than i thought they would <laughs> and then trying to get them to record a soprano part and then listen to it and then record the alt part and and line all those things up so it's been a lot harder for them to grasp than when i figured it would be it's it's that one is also very easy and as a teacher from a teacher standpoint it's so easy to go in and review the kids project that when see where they're at um and then to and to give them grades and it's it's Note flight and band lab are really, really easy to figure out as teachers and for the students, really. Yeah, I know I have a I have a colleague, well not really a colleague, but a friend that teaches in the district here where I live that they bought Note Flight and Soundtrap. And they've been really he's been really enjoying the integration of those two things. And they actually do work with each other. So yes. You know, but then again, Soundtrap's an extra few dollars per year too. I don't think they have the content libraries like you do. And I'm not sure they did the whatever the their green note red note program is called. The sound check. Yeah, the sound. I don't think they're doing that, but it's he's been really pushing some new ideas and is wondering if he's ever going to return the teaching band fully the way that he ever taught it. So it's going to be he's writing a whole manifesto. So when he figures it all out, we'll invite him on and have him talk about his his dream. But now you, know, now you say he, he he might not return to band. Or teaching it the way you did before because he's enjoying the new tools. Yeah, and he's finding he's finding that kids are learning more. You know, yeah. um, they're they're experiencing more. They're creating rather than just copying or reproducing. That's it's a, and and he's really inspired by it. But he's also a little bit of a forward thinker. And yeah. you know, I know we've got so many teachers right now that are just so used to getting back to the way things were and locking things down. And I just wonder what aspects of what we've experienced in the past year and a half or well, year and almost a year, actually, yep. we're almost to when I'm recording this, but what, what aspects of this can we bring back to the classroom forever to change things? You know, if it's just red note, green note programs, well, those have been out for 20 years, you know, basically when I was in college, uh, Vivace was out. That wasn't, right. you know, so it, if it's, if that's all that it is, but if we change things a little bit and we start doing things and integrating some true music production values and other things, where, where do we go? But what do we have to sacrifice to do it? And I guess this is the big question. Are you willing to sacrifice your concert band and its performance and its five stars at the festival? Um, to have kids that are creating and experiencing different types of music. And now he's not going to abandon everything, but he's like right. thinking like one day a week, what if we focus on this or two days a week, we focus on these other skills rather than just concert music. So it's, it's just going to be interesting to see what, where he comes to and where he settles with all that. It's very difficult, you know, in that traditional setting that everyone's used to of performance, 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 push, 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 and learn that music. Where do we fit in some of this other stuff? And this last year, we've been able to just 
kind of back off from that, not have that high pressure, that high intensity focus on performance, live performance, regurgitate what somebody else has already done. And it's given a whole bunch of teachers a lot of freedom to think outside the box. And so it will be interesting to see what we can come up with because the kids need to learn that they can create. They can do this stuff. They can sit in their house and record a whole album on their iPhone. (laughs) You know? Yep. Well, GarageBand, I just saw today a tweet from the creator or the leader of the GarageBand team. GarageBand for Apple or iPad is 10 years old today. Wow. Yeah. So this is when we're recording it. It's March. What is it? March 11th. So. 2020. How old is the iPad? iPad came 11? out in 2011. Yeah. Or did it come out in 2010? I think it may come out 2010. I think GarageBand came out a year later. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So for me, um, new things that I'm using in the classroom really are, are not that new. I finally got the the district technology people to help me set up. They bought me an iPad or an Apple TV last year. And just never got around to setting up with the midst of all the other nightmares of, you know, COVID going on. So I have been, since we came back in January, using an Apple class or an Apple TV in the classroom to stream to. And it has been basically flawless, unlike previous generations of that. So that. Which version do you have? It's the latest, whatever the most recent Apple TV so do you think it's there, because you have the newer version than they, than what you used to have? I think it's a combination of that. I think it's a combination that they've updated some infrastructure. And apparently they took out some other things that were blocking. Because in my old school, old school, my old middle school job, they had Apple TVs, but they were just so glitchy. You know, yeah. with video, like you'd stream a video and just glitch on you. You just wouldn't use it. So at the time, there was a different person in charge of the networking in our district from our IT perspective. And that person has since retired and the new people there have like cleared out things that were blocking that the other person wouldn't take out. So between the new technology or the newer technology, their work on the network and the speed of the network and the upgrades they've done, it is just flawless. Now I'm the only teacher in this building that's got an Apple TV that also could be helpful. Um, you know, and nobody else is asking those questions. Nobody else is saying, how do I stream wirelessly to my screen? But we'll let each thing, you know, I don't want to push too many buttons too quick, you know, where I'm at. (laughs) Um, Then we also went one-to-one completely as a district. I think so many of us did. They went one-to-one Chromebook three through 12 with the exception of the pre-existing iPad schools, like the one that I used to teach at the middle school, which is part of the reason why I went to that middle school was for the iPads. So um, so now three through 12 has Chromebooks and then K through two have iPads. So that is also a shift as a educator. You have different devices for different grade levels that you have to think about ahead of time. So things you're gonna do. Yeah, so our delivery method is Seesaw um, at the elementary level, which really is not a con- – it's, it's, it's really supposed to be a digital portfolio. But districts yeah. now have started using it as a classroom management system. It doesn't really work fully like that, and there are, there are problems. But I'm able to create activities. So, like, one of the things I've learned to love is teaching rhythms through Legos 
just even the image of Legos. Yeah. And what I can do is I can create an activity where it has a whole bunch of rhythm Legos on the top and kids in grades, even kindergarten can drag the Legos down into a timeline where there are blank Legos with no values and fill in the blanks and then repeat the rhythms that they're creating and record that for me. Okay. So they can actually do content creation there. Um, and then with my older students, third grade, fourth grade, um, I've been still doing ukulele with fifth grade. I've been able to spray them down after classes with, <laughs> they're turning this off. There's this awful film on them from the decontamination oh. spray and all this stuff. Um, but with third and fourth grade, I've actually been using Flats plugin for Google Docs um, and Google Slides. And that's, we'll get into that in a second. But I've been trying to have them write some music using flat for docs, which is not wonderful, but it's free and there's no privacy concerns with right. that. So it doesn't always work so well. Now, personally, the biggest thing for me, other than the Apple TV has been, um, and using Seesaw has been the use of Google Slides. I've, really? I've kind of committed, moved over to Google Slides for a couple of reasons. The main one is that you can embed YouTube videos directly into your presentation. And you can now in Keynote as well, but that wasn't there when I started this year. So, um, so basically, I can embed videos that I want kids to see or videos that I want them you know, or to experience or interact with. I can put those right into a Google slide presentation. So I do all of my lesson planning through Google slides through the 15 to 18 activities that we're going to do in that particular day. And that has been a big change for me. That's so, interesting. I was just talking to somebody about Google slides. I'm like, yeah, I never use it. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I love keynote. Don't get me wrong. I love keynote. I love how it looks. I love how it works. I love not having to rely on the internet for it. Yeah. But just practically, Google Slides has been awesome. And then, um, as a little tip for any elementary teachers, when you're teaching students for an hour, you need to include movement breaks. And my former school, ironically, in the Dominican Republic, has been making these brain breaks that are like five-minute brain breaks that I just plug in and the kids do. And they're anything from... Uh, would you rather, and they have to choose an activity, one or the other, and then they have to do whatever motion that the person shows for 20 seconds, and then it's another question. And the kids really get in, I mean, K through K through five, get into it. There's one where the person does a rock, paper, scissor battle with them, you know, virtually. So they go, you know, one, two, three, and they choose whatever they do. Seriously, every kid in the room is just glued to the screen and just embedded in it. And I just think, Boy, I don't know what my life would be like, you know, teaching elementary without some of these tools that we have today that we didn't have. You know, you can so, put that link in our note show notes for that. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, for anybody who wants to watch those. So, just using, you know, and I use I use things. So, like uh, with my fourth graders, I'm focusing on instruments of the orchestra right now a little bit too, um, and we're covering a different one each day. So, all these last spring, all these orchestras that went into hiatus. One of the things that they did as outreach is that they almost all of them filmed like an introduction to the instrument video. So what I'll do is I'll play like, for example, a instrument or what introduction to the trombone from whatever symphony. Then I'll play them a how it's made Trump, you know, the how it's made videos. 
Yeah. How they make a trombone. And then like last week, I found out, this is what I did on, on Friday of last week with my fourth graders. I found out that Angela Bassett did an incredible reading of the book Trombone Shorty. It's huh. a, a children's book. And I let them watch that, you know, and you just, and again, it's not like they sit there for the entire time watching videos, but there's a whole lot we can't do because we can't really share most instruments and we can't sing. So it's been a lot of doing other crazy things, you know, and, and that's been yeah. really good. So that those are the things that I've been doing differently in the classroom. And again, if I were teaching middle school choir right now, I, I don't know what I would be doing. So once again, a change from middle school to, to elementary school, while un, unplanned, has ended up to be incredibly fortuitous for me. That's awesome. I'll ask you, Paul, any news about music conferences or anything for you? Man, our Michigan Music Conference went virtual this year. The We didn't know what to expect for numbers of people that would be enrolled, but it was way down from a normal year. and. Um, it's just not the same. I think we were kind of all zoomed out, you know, Google mm -hmm. meted out and uh, you can only sit through so many of those things, but it was still nice to connect uh, with the people that showed up. It's not the same as being face to face, but again, that many music teachers that come together into one zoom conference and, and, and talk and, and just shoot the breeze and talk about what's going on and new ideas and such. It was useful. It was better than not doing anything at all. And I haven't done any conferences at all, um, at all. And I, I have to start thinking about applying for conferences for next year. For sure, I want to try to get to Texas again if I can. Yeah, you like that one, don't you? <laughs> That's a great conference. I, I love Michigan. I mean, I love them all. I love going to them. I love speaking at them. I love interacting with people, and I love giving people new ideas. But, you you know, my district is does not support me in, in those efforts, my, my principals traditionally have not supported me. And when I've gone, I've had to use personal days. Um, I'm not given professional days to, to do those things. So everything I do has to be kind of on my own dime using, you know, they, they think you get paid to present, by the way. They think you get, you know, <laughs> well. they, they think you're building a brand and you're making thousands of dollars outside of the school day by doing those things. And uh, nope. We, nope. we, I can enlighten them if they'd like to know some more. <laughs> well, it's just but, no, I, think, think. I think it's important that we do some of that stuff, though, right? Because we get to see other people doing the same thing that we're doing, and we get to realize that we're not in this little island. It's not just us doing what we do at our schools. There's a lot of people out there doing that. And it's something that you enjoy doing. It's something I enjoy doing. So it's fun for us to get up and and share it's fun for us to go visit it's fun for us to see those things face to face and the excitement of walking through the exhibit halls and seeing all that stuff it's, it's good and you know i just think about earlier on in my career when we had our annual reviews or you once every three years wherever we do your reviews one of the questions used to be how are you giving back to your profession that question mm -hmm. is no longer on those on those evaluations anymore they're not really concerned so much about how you're giving back to the larger profession as a whole anymore. So, you know, no wonder, you know, that people aren't coming forward to share their ideas and, and how good is it like music first to be finding these people to put on their podcast or Katie wardrobe to be putting these people on her podcast and sure. how wonderful that there are those, like, again, I, I have not paid to be a member of Katie's, you know, midnight music 
whatever the group right. is that that she runs. But how great that those resources are out there because I know I certainly can't sustain the energy to to sustain a community and help people like that. And ironically, I, I think you're the same way. As much as I've told people over the years, email me if you have questions. Very, very, very few people reach out to you ever yeah. after you present if for help or anything. So yeah. I wonder why that is. Are they scared? Are they leery of asking? I don't know. Maybe they just think that you really don't mean it. You know, right. you know, that you really don't mean that you'll be willing to help people if they contact you. But that that hasn't been the way that I've I've reacted to anybody, and I know you haven't, or Robbie Burns, you know, or anybody that I, Amy Burns, none of them. I mean, they they will all do whatever they can to help people that reach out. Yeah, I think we enjoy doing that. It, it keeps us on our toes. Somebody sends me a question. Sometimes I don't know the answer. I've sent some people to you before, you know, and so it, it's it's fun for us to talk to people. Um, do you have any new apps that you're using? Um, I don't have anything that's come out brand new, but I have really dug into staff pad on my iPad. Um, since it was released, you know, when it was released, I was kind of like, ah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of working. It's kind of not, but after the last few updates and such, uh, I'd say probably since December, maybe even November, I've really kind of started just using staff pad a lot. Um, I hardly ever use it alone. You know, a lot of times I'm taking a picture of some other sheet music that I want to alter, rewrite. You know, I've got French horn players in a, in one band, but I don't have them in another band. So I'll, you know, rewrite it for some trumpet kids or something. But it's really easy to, you know, use Photoscore. And so I like notate me now and then edit it by hand with my pencil, scribbling things out, adding things in. And it just seems to go faster than what it used to do in like Notion. Um, and definitely faster than what it was on my desktop. Um, so I've really enjoyed using StatPad. I appreciate the the sound libraries. I don't think they're quite all, all there. There's still issues, you know, in, in my head as a band director, especially, when I hear a trumpet part and I see staccatos or two noodles and some of that stuff, they definitely play back different. Um, it's not just like the old standard MIDI files. And, um, you know, so they're working on getting some of that expression in there. But um, it's, it's still got a little ways to go with some of that stuff. But I've really enjoyed using StaffPad. Yeah, when I have to do notation work, for me, it's still, it's still Notion. Um, on the iPad in particular, actually even on the Mac most of the time, mainly because of its friendliness, again, for my other focus of ukulele stuff. So with with that focus as a vocational hobby, along with the music technology piece, Notion works because I can actually put up a ukulele fretboard and enter you know chords on a fretboard or notes on a fretboard. I can enter actual chord charts using Notion, whereas StaffPad doesn't have any of that. So that, you know, until StaffPad adds that other stuff, I really can't use it that much. And even Dorico just, it wasn't too long ago. Um, might have been last year when I was up in, in Michigan that they had just added the ability to like add chord charts and things to yeah, I think to it Dorico. was in Michigan last year. 
So, you know, even that isn't that old for me. So the question about that with notion such, you're still not really using your pencil when you're doing your notation stuff because it doesn't help you a whole lot, does it? No, the handwriting part doesn't, although I use my pencil as a as a touch tool all the time. You know, now, for... see when I'm in classes, and, and that's another feature in staff pad that I like, there's uh like a scribble layer on there and so i can pull up a blank score and i can scribble stuff on it in class i could do that same thing in four score on top of a piece of staff paper mm -hmm. but then while the kids are working on stuff i can also go back and really quick turn that into digital notation and i like not having to mess around with menus and trying to remember where where things are and such um so i i like using the apple pencil that works pretty well um and again, I this will probably be the year that I upgrade my iPad. I'm still running an iPad Pro second gen. So I'm on the first gen, so I've got you beat oh. right now. Yeah, yeah, but this will be the year because amount the amount of editing that I do, you know, for the ukulele channels, I'm releasing oh it, it's close to 10 videos a week, you know, with the ukulele <sighs> channels. Yeah. Um and again, it it builds me up. So it's not like it's draining me, but it's 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 what I do, and all that is done on the the iPad, and I can feel, for example, LumaFusion slowing down now with the iPad too. It's reaching a point where, or the iPad Pro too, where it just can't handle things as good as it used to. So it's it's time. But is that because it can't do it, or because you got better? Um, no, it just there are functions that just. It's not as fast as it. The, sure. the program has it has evolved, and yeah. with that comes more power. But then it also needs more processing power. So I mean, and at my, a point my, you got to decide whether or not you're going to upgrade that app anymore on that iPad. Right. Well, I mean, it. I will until they stop upgrading, but until I get the new one, and then this one will go to my father-in-law because he's still running an I don't know like a fourth-generation iPad. So he'll feel a huge speed increase and. <laughs> and I will too. So it's all good. Um, the other thing I was going to say is you'd mentioned using Photoscore with Notate Me Now, um, which again is a $70 in-app purchase. You mentioned using music uh, scanner, yeah, sheet music scanner, which we've talked to the creator of sheet music scanner on our podcast in the past. Um, the other one that I like using when I've had to use it is the play score. And I actually do pay for it. One year they gave me a a free subscription, you know, as a as a demo for a year, but I paid for it the last couple of years, just like I pay, even though I haven't used Fourscore as much as an elementary teacher. And that's been one of my eye-opening things. Because I used to as a secondary teacher think, wouldn't you want the ability to have your score and your music and be able to project it for your students? And the answer is yes, but realistically, that that format doesn't work so good on a screen. So as an elementary teacher now, when I create scores for my kids, everything kind of goes into a landscape mode. Like a almost if you want to think of like for to to help especially secondary band teachers think of your pep band charts um that your kids use. That's the kind of format but full screen that I want my students to see in class rather than uh, a traditional music paper. So Fourscore can display those, right? If you scan it, whatever, but you still have to create it that way. And 
so that's that's where the disconnect was. So to all the people over the years as elementary teachers that I said four score should work because then you can just have your music and display it too. I didn't think about the fact that you needed a different format of score. I still think four score can work for you, but I don't even use it that much. Generally, I put the music that I've had to recreate, which doesn't take long anymore, but you know, especially that's the other little secret is as an elementary teacher, I don't need an advanced band or choral score with, you know, four parts and piano or how, I don't know how many staves you would normally have in a band score 16. Yeah. You know, something like that. Yep. I, I don't need that. I just need a simple vocal lead line, maybe sometimes ukulele chords and notion does that for me like that. And it works really well including text. So I can create my own visuals very, very quickly, but then I embed those into um, right into Google Slides now. So that's- So you're taking screenshots out of Notion or are you exporting sure. a graphic or what? I, I could export as a, as a JPEG or I can export, just take a screenshot. You know, sometimes that's easiest. But one little trick, if you're doing that with Notion, a lot of times, you have to go to your last measure and force it to a new page, then go back and put in an ending. Because what happens with Notion is if you take a screenshot of it, there's this green cursor wherever you're at in your score. So if you don't want that green cursor, cursor on your screen, you have to put that green cursor on the next page and then take a screenshot, if that makes sense. Chris, are you listening? <laughs> Chris Swaffer. Pay attention. Here. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know, but that's so. That's I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I, that that I never really thought about um, as a secondary person working with, you know, elementary teachers asking questions. So, yeah. so now you're yeah. not using Notion then to display your music in your class. You're just using Notion to create the format you want, the size, the shape, and then exporting it out into Google Slides. Correct. And whereas like when I taught middle school, I could actually direct from Notion. And there were times that I actually used Notion as an accompaniment for yep. my choirs because I couldn't yep. hire a piano player. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah, Notion has wonderful playback capabilities too. So yeah, it, it does. And it's not as good as staff pad and some of the, 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 um, you know, like the details you can put in with like dynamic lines and so forth. Um, I've been something else. The other thing that I've been using again um, is I've been following our, our district has this chart of what kids are supposed to know in each grade level, you know, sort of a curriculum map. It's very sure. loose because our district doesn't put any stipulations on what method you teach as an elementary music teacher, you know, or how you go about it, whether you're Kodai or whether you're Orf or whether you're Dalcros or you're like me, that's none of them. Um, I know a little bit about them all, right? I mean, you have to at some point if you if you earn advanced degrees in music. But um, with that said, there are a lot of things we couldn't learn on those charts because of distance learning or because of COVID, right, that we can't yep. do. But I've been focusing on the things that we can do. And in the areas of sort of like um, music expression and the terms that we learn, anything from piano, forte, mezzo-piano, Mezzo forte, um, andante, allegro, um, adagio, all those things. I've been teaching all those concepts, but now with my upper levels, I'm past those. 
So I've been using Tone Deaf Comics years ago, created a periodic table of music notation. Oh, nice. And I've been, I've been teaching off of that. I asked him if I could could use that, and he gave me permission to use that. But I like take, you know, I by the way, one of the things you can do with Google Slides and on the others is you can focus in on your picture and crop to a certain part of the picture. So I'll take that that chart of periodic table of music notation and focus on like the dynamic area of it and then display that. And then we'll work through over a number of days, all those musical terms. And we've been doing that. So it's been pretty good. And then also our district got us subscriptions to music play online. And I have not used it fully because um, it's a totally, music play online is a complete curriculum for K through K through six, either K through five, or maybe even K through eight. It's like another option. It's, it'd be different than Quaver, but it's it actually has a full curriculum that you can buy, but they also have a really large and popular online component that has all these neat games and things that you can plug into and lessons that teachers can use. Well, a lot of those things weren't able to be just clickable so I could send my kids to it. So we did some of those in class, but. Music Play Online has recently released a beta site. It's not their full site yet. That's going to change that and allow teachers to be able to like say, click this link and log into this page using this login, and go practice. You know, go play this game of loud versus soft for your first graders. And the kids put in their headphones and they go play it. So that's all coming. Um, and I just haven't I haven't messed with that as much as I could. But there was enough to do this year already. Right. You know. Yeah. So I feel like I've been talking forever. Sorry about that, Paul. But <laughs> yeah. about an hour. That's all right. <laughs> not not you yeah. though. Just between the two of us. So. I know. So here's no, a side it's, question. It's fun. It's it's, oh, it's fun hearing what you're doing though, because it pops up ideas in my mind and makes me wonder if I should be using Google Slides more. And you know, I, I like the fact that you're hearing or using that tone deaf thing. You know, because a, a lot of us use that as just pure enjoyment and and a chuckle. <laughs> but the fact. I mean, there's some good stuff that 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 guy puts out, and um, so yeah, no, it's good hearing. Good hearing. Yeah, so just it's allowed me to expand my discussion expression. The, what's really interesting is when you look at like Sforzando and Forzato and Sforzato and those those musical terms. You know, having discussion with my students and and learning even more. I never really thought about those three terms much. And realistically, in performance, they all generally end up sounding like accents for most people, yeah. you know, um, but they do have different meanings. And just it, it's been kind of interesting to just focus on some of those things, even with a advanced degree in music education, you know, or music <laughs> performance or whatever it might be. You know, all those terms, sometimes there's more nuances than you ever knew. But I basically tell my students, look, if you can see SFC and you know that it basically means that there's an accent and you can even call it a sforzando i'm gonna be pretty happy <laughs> you right. know and just i'll be i'll be happy if you can do that you know so yeah, absolutely oh and then of course what i found is that with them having their devices i have been making kahoot way cahoots on the musical terms or the values of the notes, or even, you know, cause I do a ton of rhythm with sight reading factory. I don't, I generate what rhythms we're going to study and, and clap and so forth. And I follow the district format of what rhythms are taught, what year and sure. so forth. 
But I can even put in like, put a rhythm and say, how do you count this rhythm? And we use that, uh, what do they call it? Takahatomy or whatever they call it, or basically yep. the sort of um, Kodai counting, which again, I don't, I am not Kodai certified. I will never say that right. I am. But um, but I, anyway, we'll do that counting and they'll have to guess in the Kahoot, which, you know, how do you actually count that rhythm? Or name that note. What's the name of that note? And all that other stuff. And Kahoot has been wonderful. Um, and then every day the problem is then, are we going to do a Kahoot today? And it's like, uh, well, we, we we can't play games every day. But it's the Kahoots are great if you make them yourself because then <clears throat> you're, you're getting instant assessment. And then at the end, it'll actually give you a percentage of the number percent right for all yep. the questions. And the highest so far has been 77%. And I keep telling yeah. the students, my goal is to see that you can get 80 because, yeah. you know, there's always going to be a kid or two that just doesn't care and isn't going to learn. And I hate to say that, right. but it's true. They're going to make that choice and, yeah. and drag that percentage down. And then there's always going to be that one kid that purposely gets answers wrong. Yeah, you know, just to be funny. Yeah, just, yeah. And just, you know, so I said, I always tell them, if we can get 80% there, then, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like we can do it. So still haven't made it yet. Still haven't made well, it. Well, and the good news with Kahoot, uh, I would assume that you saw the email. Now kids don't need, in effect, two devices, or they don't need to see your classroom screen to mm. see the questions and then answer it on their device. Now they can see the questions and answer the question on their on their one device. Well, I think that's a different mode that I haven't tried. I kind of like the whole classroom set because then I can also review after a question before we go to the yeah. next question. I can review like if I, you know, because it shows you how, how many kids got each one right too, or, you know, just numbers and we can instantly review what it was. So if they, none of them could name a half note right. or a low percentage named a half note, it's like, guys, okay, pull up the image. Look. You know, there it it's is. an oval with an open yep. center, like a donut. You yep. know, that and is see, not a quarter to, note. Right. <laughs> I was trying to do some cahoots on online through like the Google Meets that we would do. And the kids were having to flip between tabs. They have to go see my presentation and then they have to go to the Kahoot tab to actually answer it. And now it'll show up all in one spot now. So it, it should be beneficial. But that's brand new. I haven't even tried it. And along with, by the way, as I was working with like third grade and fourth grade to, to work with uh, Flats plugin, my, I, I came up with a theory with sixth grade students. And it's also true with third and fourth and probably fifth grade students, which is this. The first time they do anything, they freak out. Yeah. So whatever you planning, whatever you're planning on doing that first day, don't plan to get anything of value or consequence done. Expect the first date to be them panicking <laughs> with all sincerity and yeah. let them just play with things. Um, and that doesn't sound very educational, but it makes it the second day you come back, they come back and they go, oh, I can do this. I'm an expert. You know, if there's yeah. something that happens over 24 hours or over a weekend where what caused them to panic the first day, they come back and go, oh, I got this. So... Along gonna, with they, that, they have to breathe and, and put it to rest. Let it ferment. As do, as do some teachers, right? I mean, I hate to say that, but it's it's you know, how many times yeah. have we seen the people that just freak out during a presentation that we're giving? Yeah. I mean, yeah. literally, you can start to see them start to actually 
no offense, but like hyperventilate because they, they just reached their, their limit, yeah. you know, and whereas I think you've heard me say this many times when I'm presenting, I'm always telling people, if you can leave here with one or two things that you yeah. can implement tomorrow, yeah. then we're good. You know, we're going to, we're going to go over some of your heads. There's a couple of you that we aren't going to challenge enough, you know, right. but almost every time somebody comes up and goes, I didn't know that. And you go, okay. You know, it's like, and you're like, well, I get it. That's and then the sad yeah. part is, you know, like I'm watching other presentations and I'm always asking myself, do I need to know this? That's the other thing I'm asking. It's like, I'll watch a presenter and it'll be a topic and I'm always assessing not only do I know this or can I do it, but do I need to know this? Am I ever going to use this? I mean, that's the other question. Am I able to implement it and use it in my teaching? Yeah. Realistically, or is that way, you know, like, and I, I love Robbie Burns as you, as you well know. Um, but a lot of Robbie's automated stuff or automation, a lot of that I'm not going to touch just because it's, I'm not going to be able to use it. You know what I mean? But do I look at Robbie as an expert and, and say, Oh yeah. And, listen to everything he says the answer is yes but i'm always yeah. assessing going well i'm probably not gonna have my whole house wired for you know alexa or whatever which, <laughs> you know which he does you know or whatever service he's using so along with um that the other thing that i want to point out is um concepts like how to split screens on a chromebook how to have two screens going on a Chromebook, how to do a screen capture on a Chromebook, either a partial or a full, are skills that kids don't know. So I find myself teaching a lot of that. Or how to embed a video into a, a Google slide, you know, like a YouTube video into a Google slide presentation. If, you know, like fourth graders, it's a long story, but we also ended up teaching um, social emotional learning as a it's a long story but our social worker was tasked with taking one of the rotations because there were only five specialists so we needed a sixth so they tasked our social worker with teaching social emotional learning skills but later found out that she couldn't do that contractually the full time so we've had to step in as specialists yet breaking the bubbles again, filling in for the other half of our social workers' social-emotional learning time. So here's me teaching social-emotional learning. I'm not exactly sure that I'm qualified to, to truly do that. But like with fourth graders, I led them through and we started a project where they were putting together a My Music presentation. Talk about your life with music. So I was having to teach them how to like embed a video and things like that, that they haven't known how to do so don't it just comes back to me don't assume that students and again i'm teaching elementary i get it but don't assume that middle school or high school students know how to do it either they so, have that device and they're doing something on it and it's not always something that's useful it's a game it's a chat it's a TikTok. but like you mentioned just simple things like splitting your screen doing videos Checking your email every day to see what's been what feedback they've gotten from their teachers. And not not so applicable for us, but for like looking at your inbox and seesaw. I gotta watch my time, Paul, because I'm down to ten percent on my 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 MacBook, and I don't have my charger got, down here. I've got one thing I've got to throw in. I see your new next question. Yes, what have project are we working on? Okay. Well, I got one more new thing too, especially for band directors. 
um, I've been using Nin Genius, N-I-N Genius, um, made by a band director, and it's been wonderful, but I've, it's been on iPad and I think maybe on Android devices. Now they're coming out with it online. Oh, and cool. um, so through any Chrome browser, you're going to be able to access it. And I've got access to it early. They're almost ready to get going with it. And so if you're a band director, look forward to that because it allows you to capture a lot of data on what your kids know, both for fingerings, for note names, for rhythms. And now and it's also including like the terminology and some of the you know symbols and such. So cool. projects for me, I don't have anything new. Do you have something big that you're working on? Well, it just well, I just bought a Goldwing, so I'm in the process of of cleaning that up. But um, uh, beyond that, just all the ukulele stuff. So yeah, um, which, into which, that big. Yeah, I I went into it heavy, and it's good. It's been a really good thing for me. So um, yeah, I've got one thing. You know, right there, that keyboard, the top keyboard, was given to me by a by a friend. I my worship leader who I have to go to worship rehearsal here in a few minutes, but it's, I don't know where he picked it up from, but it had a battery that was dead in it. And so it wasn't storing sounds and such. So that's going to be my next project is to tear that thing about it up apart. It's a Korg M one. So yep. back from the late, late eighties. And I, I've always wanted one. I, I used one in college and somebody actually ended up stealing it. And um, so <laughs> maybe that's the same I, one, Paul. I don't know, but I got a free Korg M1, and um, I, I think I'm going to be able to resurrect it, and uh, so it's going to be fun. And then that one underneath of it, that was that um, D10 I got for like 15 bucks from Goodwill. <laughs> so, I love I'm slowly it. building the collection. Yeah, pretty soon you're going to look like Paul Schaefer. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm already halfway there. <laughs> you just need the glasses then. All right, yeah. so... Everyone, we'd like to thank you for joining us. I know it's been a while. Maybe Paul and I will make an effort to try to maybe get together once a month. Maybe that's a good plan. So we'll try to get together in April and maybe see if we can do it during the summer. But both of us travel. But if you have any questions or comments, our email address, I believe, is metpodcast at gmail.com. And you can send us an email or any questions. Um, if you have any topics, if you have anybody that you'd like us to talk to or interview or companies you'd like us to reach out to. Um, it can be a little tricky if it's international because their schedules don't always work out. Like we wanted to get the witty bud or the witty, what was it? The witty people that are doing that whole new wireless yes, MIDI CME or whatever. We were going to ask them to come up, but we just couldn't find a common time to meet with the international things. And that makes it a little tricky. But if you have any ideas, please, let us know, and we'd be happy to look into it. And again, there are people, other people doing podcasts now, such as Music First and Katie Wardrobe and Robbie Burns, and maybe that's enough for people too. But if not, you know, we don't have a problem trying to get together because Paul and I just enjoy visiting too. So, yep. I was good. All to right, talk. all right. Well, thanks again, Paul, for joining us today. And You're welcome. Good to talk. We'll sign out. All right. Adios. Bye.